Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Masterbooks podcast. Today, I have Bodie Hodge from Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. He is with us to talk about his brand new book, Dinosaurs, Dragons, and the Bible. This is an exciting resource for your whole family. And I'm going to be giving away a digital copy of this book. One person on um, the Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group and one person in the Masterbooks app. Just tell me why you want your children or your whole family to know the answers to what the Bible tells us about dinosaurs, dragons, what people are asking the questions. It's a very popular topic. It's a great way to bring up the Bible and how science confirms the Bible. And Bodhi is here to tell us all about that. We have a great show planned for you. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Master Books Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Master Books, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Master Books family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. All right. Well, Bodie, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm doing all right. It's uh, great to be back on. Great to have you. And we're so excited about your books, Dinosaurs, Dragons, and the Bible. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book and why you want people to read it. Well, you know, working at the Ministry of Answers in Genesis, we like to answer questions. And a lot of the questions that we deal with are right there in Genesis, Genesis chapters 1 through 11. And, you know, when we talk about created animals, you know, on day six or day five, guess what? We always get questions on dinosaurs. And, of course, out in the world, the secular world loves dinosaurs. They use them as an icon for evolution. But you know what? When we start with the Bible, it actually makes sense of dinosaurs and dragons. So as I got those questions, what I wanted to do was answer those questions, going back to the Bible, using the Bible to understand dinosaurs, dragons. So it really is a fun subject, and I love diving into that. So it was exciting to do the book. Well, great. We're excited to have the book. We have so many great resources on dinosaurs already, and those a lot of those came from people there, written by people there at Answers mm-hmm. in Genesis, Ken Ham and yourself and others. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited to have a new resource that answers a lot of different questions about dinosaurs and dragons and the Bible. And so I did something interesting or unique this time. <laughs> I asked some of the moms of Master Books to ask their children their students, what they wanted to know, what is their question about dinosaurs and the Bible? And so I have four of them for you today. And so we'll kick off. The first one um, is from Kate. I've always been fascinated with dinosaurs and dragons and have had this question. How do the myths of dragons, such as them breathing fire and flying, compare to the reality and how they actually were? Hi, Kate. That is a great question. 
So when it comes to the Bible, the Bible does talk about creatures that shot fire, like the fiery flying serpent, for example. So there really were real creatures that could do that sort of thing. Now, today, we actually have a little beetle that shoots out a type of fire. It's not like the fire that's going to burn your village down, but it's the kind of fire that'll burn you. And uh, it shoots it out of its hind end. It's called a bombardier beetle or a bombardier beetle. People say it different ways. Well, that beetle takes two chemicals in its hind end. It shoots it in, into a little chamber and they ignite with each other and it shoots it out in all these directions. And it just like vaporizes and superheats things. It just really does burn you. It's actually so loud you can hear it. So oh, wow. it's interesting thinking that, you know, if God can do that with a bug, well, you know what? It's not a problem for it to do, do it with something like these fiery flying serpents or even the Leviathan, which is mentioned in scripture. It also breathed fire and it's mentioned in Job 41. So, yeah, that's not a problem for an all powerful God to do that. Now, has some of that been embellished over the years, you know, with some of these dragon tales? That's where we have to be discerning because, you know, some accounts in history are definitely talking about real, real creatures. But then you get some people that embellish it and, and turn it into stories. Like nowadays, we have all sorts of stories about dragons. You know, you, you see it on different movies and TVs. You know, Lord of the Rings has dragons and things like that. So we always have to just be careful what is fiction and what was real. And the key is, though, always go back and compare it to the Bible. If it can happen in the Bible, then there is a good possibility for it. Right. And I'm so thankful that you have done the study of what it says in the Bible, and you can help us put those answers together so that we don't just believe the myths. We do have the biblical foundation for dinosaurs and dragons. Great, great question, Kate. Uh, yeah, good. All right. So next we have Jocelyn. Jocelyn is 11, and her question is, during the Ice Age, how did only dinosaurs become extinct, but other animals did not? Ooh, that's a good question, Jocelyn. I'm glad you asked that one. Now, the Ice Age affected certain parts of the world, but not all of the world. Now, the rest of the world was affected in other ways. Sometimes they could have droughts and, uh, you know, experience deserts growing in their area because of the lack of water, because the water in some of the other areas was made into glaciers and put on land, like places like... Um, you know, Canada or the northern parts of Europe, about a third of the earth would have been covered with ice at the peak of the ice age, somewhere in there. And what happens during an ice age, though, you take a lot of water out of the ocean and you put it on land. So your ocean level actually drops a little bit, too. That opens up land bridges so animals can go to different parts of the world after the flood. So there is a connection between all that, too. Now, here's the thing reptiles like dinosaurs you know we really believe that they were largely reptilian uh creatures you know we've seen their skin imprints they were scaly or, or technically they had scoots which are like a type of scale but uh, they would have been lizard like essentially now lizards reptiles they don't like the cold so it makes sense why their numbers were diminished in those parts of the world now, some of these creatures might have been able to survive some of those harsh winters and some of the time during the Ice Age, but a lot of them, their numbers probably went down. And the number for mammals thrived because the mammals with hair, they could survive in that real easy. So that's probably one of the reasons that the numbers for dinosaurs went down during the Ice Age. But there are other factors that caused uh, dinosaurs to ultimately go extinct. But, you know, during the Ice Age, there were a lot of animals that couldn't survive in those areas, too. It wasn't just the dinosaurs. We sometimes think that. But there are other creatures that had to move away 
uh, or get out of there, they were going to die off in, in those cold areas too. So that's a good question. So I'm glad you asked that. I actually talk about that in the book. So there is a chapter that talks about uh, the Ice Age and uh, you know how that affected dinosaurs. So hopefully uh, you can dive into that chapter. Absolutely. And I love that at masterbooks.com, when you go look up this book, you can see the table of contents easily on the product page, as well as clicking on the link that shows you like a free look inside a PDF that you can download and read and see the table of contents too. So you can find out what questions are being answered in this resource. Mm -hmm. So now we have Caleb, age 10. Hi, my name is Caleb. I am 10 years old. I have a question. Did Noah really put dinosaurs on the ark? How did he get those big things on there? I love that question. Um, you know, I work at the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, and guess what? We have dinosaurs on the Ark. So yes, dinosaurs were on the Ark. And if you haven't had a chance to visit the Ark Encounter, it's amazing. It shows you how big Noah's Ark is. In fact, I got a little model of Noah's Ark. I'll make it look really big so that you understand <laughs> how big Noah's Ark really was. But uh, yeah, of course, this is a little model, but Noah's Ark was huge. It was over 500 feet long using the long cubit. So, I mean, it was a huge vessel. Now, here's another thing you need to think about about dinosaurs. Yes, they were on board Noah's Ark. The Lord brought two of each kind of uh, animal. There were seven of the clean that went on board. So that just gives us a taste. They were on there. But here's the thing, too. Why would Noah take the great big huge dinosaurs on board the ark it makes more sense that the lord brought the smaller ones the juveniles less food less mm. space less waste uh they could handle that a lot better on board the ark you know there's no reason to take a gigantic dinosaur and try to put them on the ark when you could take the small ones and they would fit easily in fact we had uh, worked with our ark researchers to see you know we tried to maximize the number of animals on board the ark still taking the juveniles, the cages, and there was plenty of space on board the ark to hold these animals. Just to give you an idea, the average size of all the dinosaurs, you know, because some are big, but some are also very small. And in those cases, if you average them out, they're about the average size of a bison or an American buffalo, uh, just to give you an idea. So yeah, there would have been plenty of space if you take the juveniles on board the ark. But that is a neat question. Hopefully, if you get a chance, you, you can go to the ark encounter and walk through and see and spot some of the different dinosaurs uh, that we actually have in there. But no, it's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. Absolutely. Great question, Caleb. And now we have Eamon, fourth grader. I've seen in books and movies that people are afraid of dinosaurs. So I'm wondering if that was actually true in Bible times. You know, that's a really good question. Now, let's think about it because in Bible times, there were different things that had happened at different times. For example, when Adam and Eve were first created, the world was perfect. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says every work of God is perfect. That's what we expected from God was a perfect creation. And at the end of the creation week, God declared everything very good. It really was perfect. In fact, mankind was a vegetarian. All the animals were vegetarian. So even when you see a little, they're not chasing after you to eat anything. They really were perfect. You see a, a T-Rex here. He's not going to come after you. Now, we see movies all the time where these things are chasing people, whether it's Jurassic Park or Journey to the Center of the Earth. There's all sorts of shows that have dinosaurs chasing people around. But originally, it wasn't like that. These animals were originally vegetarian. In fact, man was given dominion over these animals. Now, let's think a little bit later in Bible times when Adam and Eve sinned against God. 
God cursed the ground. He cursed the animals. He sentenced man to die. Thorns and thistles came forth. In fact, I got some thorns and thistles here. And mm -hmm. those just look scary. Look at the size of some of those. I got some cockleburrs in there. Those are some of the aspects of the curse that came about as a result of man's sin. So the world changed. Some of the dinosaurs probably did start to eat meat at that point. Uh, some of them, it could have been later. It could have been more gradual. We simply don't know. By the time of the flood, when we see all those rock layers that have dinosaurs in them, some of them had eaten other things. For example, a T-Rex had eaten another little juvenile T-Rex and eaten a little duck-billed dinosaur, and we see its stomach contents in there fossilized. So at some point, they did start to eat meat. It was after sin, and that's a snapshot during the flood. Now, something else is interesting. The Bible talks about the fear of man being put in the animals after the flood. Now, I want you to think about that. God brought these animals to Noah. They came on board the ark, okay? But the fear of man was not in the animals at that point. That's what a lot of people, a lot of commentators, people who talk about the Bible, think of pastors and stuff. A lot of them thought, well, that's when the animal aggressions began between man and the animals after the flood when God said that he put the fear of man in the animals. So that might be more when the aggressions were. So, yeah, we can have those different issues. A lot of the dragon accounts that we have throughout history, uh, you know, there was a conflict between man and these dragon, these dinosaur-like creatures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the dragon ended up getting killed. So, yeah, they were oftentimes seen as, as quite vicious creatures, not all of them, of course. And I think there's a good reason why Satan is sometimes compared to a dragon, like in the book of Revelation, because, well, dragons could be pretty vicious and so could Satan. So I think there's a relationship there. But uh, that is a really neat question. Um, originally, they probably weren't chasing you down after sin. We see the adjustment and the change. But uh, I would probably be a little nervous around uh, uh, dinosaurs if there was one in my backyard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. those are great questions and great answers. I love these are smart questions. Kids these are brilliant, have. aren't they? They really yeah. are. Yeah, I'm impressed, guys. Yeah. So, Bodie, now that we've answered some of the questions, we do really encourage everybody to check out the table of contents, see what their family will learn from this book. But I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about why it's so important for Christian families to have answers to these questions. Like, what does it matter what we know about dinosaurs in the Bible? when it comes to defending our faith, when it comes to holding on to our faith, and then also being able to win the loss to Christ. Well, yeah, you know, that's a great, uh, that, that's a, a, a great subject to talk about. You know, we need to know what God says. God is the ultimate authority on every subject. And when you know the Bible, then that's how you can counter the false beliefs that are out there in our culture. Uh, you know, I once heard that people who are looking at a counterfeit bill uh, and studying those, what they do is they actually study the correct bill. They, they study a $100 bill or a $50 bill. They know it so well so that when they see a counterfeit, they can spot what's different. And we're the same way. As Christians, we want to know what the Bible says. From Genesis to Revelation, we want to know what it says, know what it teaches, so that when we see a false worldview, we can spot it. Now, in our culture, we see a lot of things like secularism. It's a secular humanism. It's a religion that's out there. And a lot of kids have been influenced by it. If you've heard of Big Bang, Millions of Years Revolution, those are subsets of this secular religion. And a lot of kids have been duped into it because kids love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. But you know what? We've been taught the secular view of dinosaurs. So when we have answers for how the Bible looks at dinosaurs, 
then when we hear these false beliefs like dinosaurs lived millions of years ago, we can spot and go, oh, oop, that's an error. <clears throat> and so, you know, oh, they, they didn't die out 65, 66 million years ago because that's actually coming from a false religion. So right. it's little things like that. We need to train ourselves, train our children, train this next generation, because you know what? We're in a culture where people are attacking God and his word. And you know what? God mm -hmm. and his word is always right. If anyone ever objects to God and his word, by what authority can they do that? God is the greatest authority on everything. In other words, they're committing a fallacy. They're trying to elevate their own thoughts to supersede God. And that's an error in reasoning. That's illogical, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. So it's good to get back to the Bible, trust what God has to say as the absolute authority, use the Bible to answer these questions so that we can deal with the secular worldview that's in our backyard. And you know what? When you can answer these questions and you can explain why uh, the Bible explains dinosaurs, why the Bible explains uh, dragons, guess what? The Bible also has a history in there that leads to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you can lead that into a conversation about our Lord and Savior and his death, burial, and resurrection. And that Absolutely. right there is the message. Right. Well, thank you. And thank you for the work that you do there in the ministry. And thank you for the work you do writing, partnering with us, Ink on Paper, to impact eternity, like you just said. And so we always end our podcast with a prayer. And I would love for you to say a prayer over the Masterbook students, the students, the families that will be reading this book who are so committed to defending their faith, to making sure the next generation has a strong faith in the Lord and relies on the Bible. Absolutely. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Master Books, for everything that they've done, Lord. I just pray that they keep their heart focused on you and your word, the authority of your word, as well as the gospel founded in your word. Lord, I just pray that you watch over all these moms, watch over the kids. Lord, bless them, strengthen them, help them grow in wisdom to be able to discern what's going on in our culture and how to counter that, how to stand on the authority of your word in every area, not just dinosaurs. Lord, I also want to pray for the ministry of answers in Genesis and the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Lord, we just pray uh, that uh, this outreach can continue to reach people one at a time if it has to be. But Lord, we hope that you receive the honor and the glory and the praise in all this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let it be so. Well, friends, thank you for joining the podcast. We will have links to the book. Dinosaurs, Dragons, and the Bible by Bodie Hodge in the show notes, as well as a link to the look inside so you can see what all your family will learn from this book. The digital copy is ready. The print copy will be out soon, and we know that it'll be a fun way to add to your family's devotions, your family's just read aloud time, or even your morning baskets. What, wherever you love to study science and be with your children to learn more about the Lord and more about his beautiful creation, this book will be a great addition. So thank you, Bodie, for joining me today. All right. God bless you and keep up the great work. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining the Master Books podcast. This was fun and we are really glad you were with us. We invite you to check out masterbooks.com. We have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family. And hey, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.